Recently, Key of David presenter Gerald Flurry addressed members of the Philadelphia Church of God during the Feast of Tabernacles. This segment of his presentation focuses on Psalm 76. I'd like to turn to Psalm 76. Psalm 76. In Judah is God. This is Elohim. In Judah is Elohim known. His name is great in Israel. We need to keep that in mind. This is the really an old covenant, new covenant psalm. And it's all about the Elohim God. The family to us, that, that's the family of God. And immediately this psalm makes, makes us aware of that. Both covenants have been leading us to that end. And uh, Adam rejected that uh, tree of life or the Holy Spirit. So now uh, we're in a different covenant. I think there's more to this psalm than what we normally see. And I think God has shown me something here that we need to understand. And verse 2, here's the old covenant. In Salem also is his tabernacle. And his dwelling place in Zion. Salem. Well, that's an interesting word. And you would think maybe we need to know more about that. This is the Old Covenant. And uh, as we understand it, this is like a half a word. (laughs) If you understand what Salem is all about. So... We need to learn about that other half of the word as well when we talk about the new covenant. So, Salem doesn't tell us that much. We need to know more. And so, we'll see what we can uh, do to better understand this. Now, let's read uh, verses 3 through 7. They're broke. He the arrows, that's something that is past tense, uh, of the bow, the shield, and the sword, and the battle, Selah. You are more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled. They have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse are cast into a dead sleep. Verse 7, you, even you, are to be feared. We're coming to the Feast of Tabernacles to learn to fear God. That's why we're here. And who may stand in your sight when once you are angry? And then verse 8, it's getting into the New Covenant section. You did cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. Now there's different uh, situation with many people here, and it's not yet the second coming. Verse 9 says, when God, there's Elohim again. So we have two Elohims in this little short psalm. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah. So here God is judging the meek, all the meek. And we are here in the new covenant period now. And then God uses the word Selah. 
And, it, and we're being judged. First Peter 4 and verse 17 says, Judgment must begin at the house of God. We are being judged by God. And we know that, and that's what we want. Christ, or the second Adam, became, well, Christ became another priest. And there was another priesthood when he came. There was a change of the priesthood. There was a change of the law. Everything had changed. There was more excellent ministry, a better covenant, a new covenant. And here we have... uh, just this one word that points us to uh, go forward, and I, that's the word Salem, at least if you understand that. We'd like to know more, I think, about Salem. And this is a, a time when uh, we know that from what we've already been taught, that it Salem becomes uh, broadened and called Jerusalem. Jerusalem, and yet it it mentions Salem, but it doesn't mention Jerusalem here. And so you feel like that uh, when you get into the New Covenant, well, you, we ought to be talking about Jerusalem, but there's no mention of that. And uh, I, and the reason being, well, there needs to be more space for this for that subject. And so oftentimes there are at least some psalms that point to uh, some verses or scriptures outside of the psalm. And notice the word selah. It means stop and think. Stop and think. Now, I think we have not maybe... uh, been as strong as we should with with that expression selah because it means stop and think now god hey, when he sees something like this verse 9 well now you you need to stop and think about it what what is what is missing here and what does god want us to know more about after all it does say stop and think and you, you'll see that there's more that needs to be understood here. Even the Sela word tells you that. And I think we need to make that a dogmatic statement. We haven't done so very much, I don't think. But we need to do it, and I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll give you something Mr. Ryan Malone gave me. He says the Sela has a musical application. As in thinking during an instrumental interlude, or postlude, the word is used only in Psalms and three times in Habakkuk 3, which is a displaced psalm, or a psalm not in the main collections. So this usage indicates it is a musical term, a technical term musicians would know. It has been supposed it means an instrumental interlude, where the singing stops and instruments play, and during which time the listener is to ponder what has just been said. In other words, it's surely a stop-and-think situation. As, and you can look upon it that way because of what it says here. And then uh, he goes on to say an interesting usage 
Uh, this is Psalm 916, which has the word Higeon in front of Selah. Higeon means meditation or pondering, used also in Psalm 19.14. Pondering or the meditation of David's heart. So there's a lot here about pondering and thinking and meditating. To understand, well, okay, you've just read verse 9 and, and some other verses. Stop and think. What, what more do we need here in this new covenant setting? And so it concludes by saying, so it definitely would mean that there. In other words, stop and think. Really, there's a lot of evidence here to uh, step out in faith and say, well, that is what it means or something very close to that. And, uh, and I think we, need to, we have to have the faith to do that. Because those, those words are critical and have something to tell us and really is telling you, well, this, this psalm needs to be expanded. You need to be doing more, understanding more about this psalm. What is it? At least that's the context to me and the way I understand it. And I, I think there's uh, evidence of that. But... Uh, Selah, stop and think. And uh, you have quite a few psalms in the, well, the non-David psalms and the psalms of David. There's a couple more segments I'll talk about where it's really very clear that God wants us to look beyond the psalm. If you want a really wonderful, rich, rewarding Bible study, stop and think and do something about it. That's how we can grow spiritually. And that's why we're here. And we really need to grow in this terrible time that we're living in on this earth. So we have to step out on faith. Now you could say, well, uh, is that really the way we have to do it? And I, I think, yes, it is. If you look at the David's palace and Solomon's wall... We're about to have an exhibit, and there are quite a few archaeologists that will tell you they don't believe that. They don't, they don't think that is David's palace and those huge walls. And they don't believe it's Solomon's uh, wall. And with, with, again, with monstrous rocks, this all starts in December. Uh, the exhibit will make uh, replicas of those walls so people can get an idea well how how just enormous these walls are and how could they engineer something like that because the timing is 1000 BC the time of David and Solomon in that period and they can they've proven that well, what what other people at that time would possibly have built anything like that well only David and Solomon the size that it does need to be illustrated and I think that's why it's good to have those uh, we, we create some because people just don't realize the engineering of all that just bringing these huge boulders together was 
was awesome engineering. So, some of these psalms help us to think more. And, and, and there's a reason why that sila is there. And we need to take advantage of it. Because God says, well, now there's something here in verse 9 that you need to think about because you've already talked about Salem. Well, what about Jerusalem? Why don't we hear about Jerusalem in the New Covenant verses? Well, I think that would be a good question to ask. But again, we go on with our exhibit and uh, and do like Dr. Mazar said, let the stones speak. And they do speak if you really understand what it's all about. And we believe and we have faith that those walls were uh, at the time of David and Solomon. Stones really do speak. And we've shown that time and time again from uh, working with Dr. Mazar. So we ought to really stop and think even about Salem. Well, well, let's see now. Why? That's really only a half a word. <laughs> In a way, you could look at it that way. And, and it talks about Salem. But then when it gets into the New Covenant, it doesn't talk about Jerusalem. And oh, did a lot happen in Jerusalem when Christ came. And you need to get get more of that and add it to that psalm. Now, I think I'll show you a couple other segments where it's even easier to understand uh, that it's pointing to uh, going outside the psalm. But I think this one's more important than even those. Because it is so critical for us to understand this and try to add something to a psalm that really can bring it alive and make it so much more meaningful. So we'll be thinking about Jerusalem and we'll be thinking about Salem and we'll begin to realize, well, we're going to have to go outside of this psalm to really amplify that Jerusalem that that we we should have there I think in that verse (laughs) but well you need more space but it really does connect to this uh, this this outside segment will uh, connect directly to verse 9 and uh, verse 2 as well where it talks about Salem Uh, the, the old covenant and the new covenant is all a part of working toward building God's family, recreating God in his people. That just, God just mentions that time and time again. And we don't want to overlook that or, or not stop and think about that because that is everything. If we just realize why we're here. And what, what is this Feast of Tabernacles all about? What is this house of God all about? Why is it so moving to us? And why do we call it the house of God? It isn't our house. It's God's house. 
And what an honor to be sitting in God's house. There's only one on this earth. And how special is that? But there's nothing in verse 9 that even discusses Salem or Jerusalem. And that's to me, is an indication, well, we need to go outside of this psalm. Let's read the last three verses there. Verse 11, bow and pay unto the eternal your God. Let all that be around about him bring presence unto him that ought to be feared. We have people today that do fear God, and but everybody really ought to be this, the understanding this God, and he ought to be feared. We've been talking for well over 75 years about this message and getting it out to the world. And Mr. Armstrong wrote Mystery of the Ages. and said he felt like it was just poured into his mind. And that means it was. God himself speaks to his people. He speaks to them. And we have to be grateful for all of that and for this house and what it means. Verse 12, he shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. Yes, he is. So at this point, we, I, we, we, we do lack knowledge here. We need to stop and think. Now, this is the way I would think about it. And maybe somebody else would think about it a little differently But it surely would have something to do with Jerusalem. After all, this verse 2 starts out talking about Salem. Well, what's so big about Salem? There, That's where uh, Melchizedek was and lived and tabernacled. Right there in Salem. And you know, if he lived there, this has to be special. Salem doesn't tell us enough about what this really means, does it? There again, there's something lacking. If you look, if you stop and think about this a while, you just think, well, there's something I need to know that's a lot more profound than what I've seen so far. So sometimes a psalm is just not fully understood. Until we go outside that psalm. And I'll have, as I said, two more segments to show that clearly to you. We must know more about Salem. And the Apostle Paul is really the only place in the New Testament. You don't have to stop and think too much to understand this. Well, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about Melchizedek and Jerusalem and puts it all together like nobody else in the New Testament. Let's go to Hebrews 7 and verse 1, where the Apostle Paul talks about Jerusalem, and he talks about Melchizedek in the Old Covenant time. Hebrews 7 and verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Hebrews is certainly revelation from God and he does give us a lot of new revelation today 
But here is Melchizedek was king of Salem. There, so we know, we, we want to know about Salem at that mysterious word of, of Psalm seventy-six. In verse two, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that king of Salem, which is king of peace, king of peace. The king of peace. Well, what do you know? Now, this this goes from Salem to getting into uh, Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is going to bring peace. It's going to start in Jerusalem. Peace in this world. These terrible, terrible times and nefarious evil leaders that try to do everything they can to enslave us. Verse 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abides a priest continually. Wow. Well, that's that's getting better now. So, uh, that really, if you think about it, and, and you, you stop and you think, and well, it brings you right into... Something that God revealed to his apostle. And then there's a book, booklet, a sizable booklet, written about it. And shows what Jesus Christ is doing right now today. Even in the Feast of Tabernacles. Right now, today. So, then you we have supporters out there that, well, we couldn't get this job done. Without people who support Jesus Christ as he leads his church and reveals truth to them when it's needed and necessary. And you give your prayers and tithes and offerings. Otherwise, well, we wouldn't be able to do the work. We wouldn't have all these sites all over the world and reaching out with a real strong message even in a, if we are a small church but uh, Jerusalem is is the enlarged form of the name Salem Jerusalem means literally the possession of peace Jerusalem of all places look what's happening there there's been war throughout the ages over Jerusalem and God says that Jerusalem is being brought into the picture and it possesses peace. <laughs> I mean, it just possesses it. Would you say this world needs peace? And is there anybody that can bring peace except God and His Son? No. J- Jerusalem literally means the possession of peace. And this is like an omnipotent prophecy for us in this end time. And it all ties, I mean, it really, there's a lot there that ties right into uh, Psalm 76. And I think that's uh, because it's picturing the world, wonderful world tomorrow. And uh, God always takes us back to Jerusalem. There's so much that's happening in Jerusalem. We have a feast in Jerusalem. Verse 11, if there for perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. 
What further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Verse 12, for the priesthood being changed. Oh, the priesthood was changed. And there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Well, what's, what's changing about the law? This is important. The law, that's the foundation of the whole Bible. We really need to get this. Verse 15, and it is yet more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, Jesus Christ, and who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Well, you mean to tell me this 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 new priesthood is about endless life? It it never stops. <laughs> it's that kind of life. We never will have to die or stop again. What is that worth? And we we you see we we need to understand that more deeply. I do. We all do. And we come to the Feast of Tabernacles to get educated and real, realize what God is offering us. Verse 17, he testifies, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw near unto God. See, that's what he wants. He wants us brought near to him. And then verse 21, the last part of it, the Lord swear and will not repent. You are a priest forever for after the order of Melchizedek. And notice this, brethren, verse 25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him saying, he ever lives to make intercession for them, for us for this church he makes intercession for us intercede means just to act or plead in behalf god he gives us intercession and and it, when he talks about christ intercedes for you he he's making it personal brethren he really when he says that he means every single one of us he intercedes for you and that we have to make that personal because then we we know we have hope. All of our literature is free and will be sent to you with no cost or obligation. Order the Book of Hebrews now. The preceding program was a paid presentation of the Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.